Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful you are back here again with me this week. So last week, we talked about the power of curiosity. We talked about why curiosity is important. We talked about the impact of curiosity on your life and your leadership. And this week, we are actually getting into action. And so we have these great insights about why curiosity is important and the impact of it. But how do we implement curiosity? How do we create more curiosity in our lives? How do we create more wonder? And how do we actually become more curious? So this week, we are going to be talking about the nine habits of curious people. What do curious people do differently? What do curious leaders do differently? Well, we are going to be talking about that. And I have a super special guest with me this week. And it's my daughter, Hannah Selfors. Hannah, welcome to the show. Hello. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. The reason why I have Hannah on the show is not only because she's at home with me and I I, uh, colluded with her. (laughs) I talked her into doing the show this week. But the reason why is Hannah is one of the most curious people I know. And I spoke about it in the podcast last week around... I I believe it was my mom asked me, you know, what my one wish for the kids was. And I said, I simply want to cultivate curiosity in my kids. I want them to have a sense of wonder and adventure uh, and curiosity about their world and about people and about travel and food and culture and education and knowledge and Han, you're such a great living example of bringing that to life. And so um, I'm excited that you're on the show today. Thank you. That is so sweet. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> well, I from. <laughs> well, and I'd love for you just to talk about, you know, I know why I'm saying that because of the field that you're going into. You just graduated with your undergraduate degree in philosophy and... So why don't you share with my audience, you know, not only about kind of what your future plans look like, but how curiosity feeds into your plans. Yeah, so um, I did just graduate um, in December of 2021 with philosophy and poli-sci, and I definitely want to go into philosophy further. I'm applying to graduate schools right now, I'm applying to some PhD programs, to, you know, get my philosophy PhD. And I think that that stems from really at base curiosity in the world and how I see philosophy, 
you know, really cultivating curiosity, not only in myself, but in other people, because I do think it's such an important tool. And yeah, that's really my plans at this moment. I'm just working on my applications and planning on, you know, doing some traveling next year, which also kind of feeds into that as well. But yeah, that's uh, where we're at at the moment. All right. Well, you weren't here last for last week's episode. And I'm sure you didn't listen to it, <laughs> but... I admit that I missed it, <laughs> But I'm curious, I'm curious to know why curiosity is important to you. I think that, honestly, after doing a lot of research, especially last year for um, a research project that I was doing in philosophy, which kind of centered around, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt and I'll kind of go into that more if we you know talk about that further but I think I really realized how valuable curiosity is because I think what inspired that project was kind of feeling jaded when I go online and see people arguing and you know I I think especially around politics and which I think is very important I think debate is important but I think what's lacking at least what I see and what makes me sad is just curiosity. I don't think anyone really does have a lot of curiosity um, about the person that they are engaged with. And so I think I found that that attribute to be really valuable in my research and in building connections with with other people. And I think building connection is really important to me. And I do truly see curiosity as one of the main conduits for doing that so i love that thank you han well we are going to dive right in with the nine habits of curious people these habits are pulled from a variety of different places some of it is my own content some of it actually stems from a ted talk that bob borchers gave it i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it so again it's bob borchers on the power of curiosity Some of the other content that I'll be talking about today is from a Psychology Today article. So let's dive in. The first habit of curious people. So if you're wanting to know, how do I become more curious? I Maybe I don't have a strong curiosity right now, and I really value that in other people, but I don't know how to get that for myself. The first step is to listen without judgment. The power of listening is so important. I'd love to get your perspective on that, Hannah. I think that when I think about listening without judgment, it first comes down to really giving people the benefit of the doubt and realizing that, you know, they're trying to convey truth to you in the way that they see it. And I think being empathetic to their position, but also just I think a lot of times people are formulating what they're going to say in response to the person while the person's talking. Yes. And I think that that can really get in the way of effective communication because we're not, you know, fully hearing the other person and understanding or trying to understand and being empathetic toward the truth that they are trying to convey to us. And I think that if we're missing that, we're missing so much of the content of the conversation and room for connection. We're missing that opportunity if we're not really listening with our judgments aside. Would you Uh, agree? No, I completely agree. And you talked about 
kind of the type of listening or where people aren't really paying attention. And there's actually five types of listening, which I could probably do a whole podcast on listening, and maybe I will. One of them is ignoring listening, where you're not really paying attention, you're ignoring what people are talking about. The other one is pretending listening, where that's exactly what you were talking about, where you're formulating thoughts in your mind, you're coming up with responses, or maybe you're drifting off and thinking about something else while the person is talking, but you're pretending you're listening. And we think that people don't know what's happening, but people can pick up on that so well. Selective listening is, you know, kind of a step in the right direction, but it's still a basic level of listening. Attentive listening is obviously where we want to get to, where we're more fully engaged, we're understanding, we're reflecting back what the person is telling us. And you're engaged to the point where you're seeking to understand. And then empathetic listening is the highest level of listening. That one requires the greatest amount of mental and emotional energy. It reaches beyond attentive listening because it requires us to really focus in on and seek the other person's frame of reference. We have to use our full capacity in order to listen to someone else. And one thing that I learned while I was studying listening a lot of people don't know this, and this was new to me. I was how many years old when I just learned this? The word listen contains the exact same letters as the word silent. Huh? I, I know. thought about that before. I thought that was so cool. And I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I love this idea that we came into this world with two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. We should keep those ratios in mind. I like that too. I do. So, you know, the we're talking about listening. What I just shared are different, you know, the five levels of listening. But again, listening, that first habit is really listening without judgment. You're not only attentively listening and or empathetically listening, you're listening without judgment. And you're really open. And that is the first step of curiosity. You know, hearing you talk about that and also thinking about that general statement, right? Like listening without judgment. Yes. I think judgment's connected to the ego. And I think that not only in, you know, we use our ego to judge things, judge other people. That's where we get our criteria for judging the world. And in that same sense, our ego is also involved if we're thinking about how the other person's going to judge us and we're not doing that active listening. If we are you know, listening with judgment, we're thinking about what we're going to say next. We're also thinking about how we're going to be judged. So it's Mm. kind of like that other side of it as well, trying to really just be authentic to what you think and your responses, but also keeping that space open for yourself and the other person. I think that's a great point. I love that. Not only are we judging others, but we're also afraid of being judged ourselves. The second habit of curious people is they ask a lot of questions. I really think that questions are the currency of curiosity. The power of curiosity is, you know, you can be curious inside, but unless you're asking those internal or external questions, that is the essence of curiosity. So I'm I'm curious to hear what you what you think about that. I think that that's just really being receptive to further information, you know, that you are willing to say that you don't know or that can surprise you. And I think that, you know, when we were talking about this before we started the episode, I was thinking of, you know, Socrates and how we looked to him as the father of philosophy. All he did was really ask questions. He didn't write a lot. I mean, Plato wrote down what 
you know, his philosophy was in some sense. But the way that we know Socrates is because he literally went around and just asked people questions. He would ask, you know, what's your conception of justice? And they would give a response, but then he'd ask, why is that? And why is that? And don't you think that this counterexample might, you know, like, what do you think about this? And he really just continued to ask and ask. Not only did, you know, he gain further knowledge from that, but the person also learned something. Like, you can, by asking deep questions, I think there's there's growth and a win there for both people. It opens up a lot of space. Absolutely. It Asking questions is what I do for a living. So that's the power of coaching. And a lot of people might not know how the co- how the coaching process works and that is the coaching process i am asking probing deep questions that help people transform i'm not necessarily giving people the answers but it's it's the answers that they are coming up with themselves that actually propel them to that growth space questions are the currency of coaching and i'm constantly trying to hone my craft in that way of thinking of different questions, thinking of different ways I can dive deeper into or underneath what I hear is a symptomatic issue when people are talking about their leadership struggles or they're feeling stuck in their career. The key to that is is asking those deep, deep questions. And so I love that because I, I do have, I'm someone who I consider I have an insatiable curiosity. And so I feel like so much of my work isn't work because I I get the benefit of asking people questions and being curious. And in that process, just like you were saying, Mm -hmm. I get to learn so much, even though I'm the one asking the questions. I learn new things for my clients every in every single session I have. It's really a beautiful process. Yeah. So the third habit of curious people are that they read widely and they follow their interests. And I saw this on Psychology Today. John Lloyd was a hugely successful TV producer and director until one day he started to encounter a string of failures. So he ended up with depression. And how he dealt with that was that he took some time off work. He went on long walks and he started reading voraciously. He read about Socrates and ancient Athens. He read about light and magnetism He read about the Renaissance and the French Impressionists, and he had no method and no plan for his future, but he simply followed his curiosity wherever it took him. All of this reading eventually led to his idea for the BBC quiz show called QI, which now is loved by millions for its ability to make anything from quantum physics to Aztec architecture entertaining. Really, the lesson here is something that B.F. Skinner said, when you run into something interesting, drop everything else and study it. The feeling of being interested can act as a kind of neurological signal, directing us to fruitful areas of inquiry. Following those interests, because if something is sparking your interest, there's something deep inside that is very much in alignment. And I, I know you've experienced that. That is great. And I think that is such amazing advice. I literally saw a quote earlier today that I wrote down. I think it was by Wu Shei. I don't remember the person, but it was like, if you want to feel the 
full force of the river swim in the direction of its flow. And I think that literally goes to exactly what we're talking about right now. Also, a lot of times I feel like I can forget that, you know, we as people can be very multidimensional and it's not just the career that we're going after or, you know, like with your clients, I feel like the 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 main goals that they're focused on coming into coaching maybe if they're open to other things in their lives that are sparking curiosity for them or an interest like following that and being open to other parts of life and having that multi-dimensional aspect can be so helpful and can aid in a lot of growth yeah i think it's just so important to really open yourself up to a variety of experiences and not pigeonhole yourself into one area of life. And I think that you start to realize what actually connects it all. And I just like the, wait, what was his name? It was, sorry, what was his name? John Lloyd. John Lloyd. There yes. Go. Yeah. It was John Lloyd. Him asking more questions led to him asking even more questions and literally making a show about that. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I love, you know, I, I actually just got a text from a coach friend of mine today and He has a love of science. He studied the physics of the universe and the human mind. And he's kind of put both of those subjects together. And he's created these coaching metaphors and frameworks where, you know, he's put his love of science and the universe together with his love and reading of the human mind and created this very interesting perspective to help people move forward. And I love that. And I like how sometimes, and and I advise my coaching clients to do this as well, is sometimes we get pigeonholed in our careers. And we're in such a narrow field, and a narrow functional area of our business. And I advise people, you know, read, read something outside of your normal expertise. Because sometimes just having that exposure can really help us in our leadership and can help bring innovation and creativity to leadership when you're thinking about things from a completely different perspective, but then somehow you can tie those things in together to either create frameworks or lessons or innovative new products for for your clients. So. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I've heard like some of the best advice for artists is when they're feeling stuck and they don't know what to paint or draw next is to completely shift and try to paint in a completely different style or try sketching or do something completely different that they're not used to and expose themselves to something new and that always creates more creativity for them and can lead them down a path they weren't even expecting or you know can use those techniques in in their own art so I think I think it's really important to broaden one's horizons if you will. Yes, Hannah, I completely agree with you. And I think that that brings us to the next habit of curious people is that they make time for curiosity. Some people, it works in the morning. What can I do differently today? How can I change up my routine? What is something I can read or bring into my day? How can I take a new route to work? What What is something new I can learn today? There's so many ways that you can intentionally bring curiosity into your day and make time for curiosity. How many leaders listening to this podcast are giving their teams time to be curious or the space to ask questions 
the space to challenge the status quo and to be curious about how we can be doing things differently. How can we have fewer meetings? How can we make the meetings that we already have more productive? There's so many ways as leaders we can role model curiosity, but we have to make time for it. So the sixth habit of curious people is that they polish their minds with the minds of others. So I love this story that these were the things that were on a page from Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks, and it's his to-do list. So I'm just going to read some of these because I think they're so fascinating. Number one, calculate the measurement of Milan and its suburbs. Number two, discover the measurement of the Corte Vecchio, which is the courtyard of the Duke's palace. Three, get the master of arithmetic to show you how to square a triangle. Number four, ask Bendetto Porterini, a Florentine merchant, by what means they go on ice at Flanders. The next one, draw Milan. Ask Maestro Antonio how mortars are positioned on bastions by day or night. Examine the crossbow of Maestro Guionato. Second to last, find a master of hydraulics and get him to tell you how to repair a lock, canal, and mill in the Lombard manner. And the last one, ask about the measurement of the sun promised me by Maestro Giovanni Frances. And so here's the lesson from Leonardo's to-do list. First of all, (laughs) that's a lot. That's a lot in a day. But here's the takeaway lesson is that not only are Leonardo's interests wide ranging, but out of the 15 tasks on his list, at least eight involve consulting others. And two, involve other people's books. Montaigne wrote of how travel to different regions and countries allows us to, quote unquote, rub and polish our brains against others. And Leonardo seems that he polished his brain against as many others as possible. If you look at the wide ranging notes on his to-do list, and then think about how he brought all of that together to become one of the greatest thinkers of all time. I was impressed by <laughs> I was impressed by Me doing too. that research and and looking at what what was his on his to do list. I'm I'm feeling a little inadequate on my to do list. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. Isn't that isn't that amazing? But I did I love the variety of what was on his list and yeah. and the depth of the curiosity that he had for all these what seemed to be disparate things, but obviously he brought them all together. So the next thing, the next habit in terms of how we cultivate curiosity is that we aren't afraid to say, I don't know. I know you have a perspective on this. Yes. I think, does this one go with admitting that you could be wrong? Yes. Is this the same one? Yep. Okay. Because I think this is the most important one, I personally think. They kind of go together. So there's one of the habits is you're not not afraid to say you don't know. And then another habit is you're willing to be wrong and and you're okay with yourself, and you don't criticize others. But we can mm-hmm. conflate those two. We can make them one habit. I think I think they do go together in the sense that, like, allowing yourself to possibly be wrong can be admitting that you don't know everything and that there is still more to know. I agree. So I think that those do go together. And I do think it's the most important because I think that that is what – I believe his name is Michael Lynch, calls epistemic humility. And it's this idea that, you know, we we often think of ourselves as prioritized knowers. We think that we, we think we know everything, honestly. I mean, we're living in our own 
little heads <laughs> and like you know you think you have the best view of what the world is and how the world works and things like that and you can defer to you know you don't know quantum physics but i think that a lot of times with the things that you think you know you think you know them really well and you don't really vastly on that but i think with epistemic humility that's basically to say that you have humility about the things that you do know or you think you know and you're open to being wrong and you're open to other people being knowers themselves and having you know knowledge that you might not and that you are constantly keeping yourself open to that and I think that that's super important because without that feeling we really won't allow ourselves to take in new information and that will be the hindrance that will not allow us to connect with other people and I think you know conversations and healthy debate and argument is like the most important thing I think going into philosophy too you you realize very quickly even in your intro classes that you know way less than you thought you did about (laughs) the world and about yourself and about what you think the nature of love is and whether you have a soul and you know all these crazy questions I think that it's awesome because you know you can kind of realize there's so much more to know there's so much that other people know that you don't and then that sparks more curiosity at least for me in thinking oh my god what is there that I can gain from other people or that, you know, they can share with me that I didn't know before. And I think it it leads to more connection. And I think that that humility will always serve you better than having what Lynch calls epistemic arrogance, which is Mm. the idea that, you know, you do have everything figured out and all sorted because I think the consequences are clearly in favor of someone having epistemic humility rather than arrogance. But what do you think? No, I completely agree with you. And I think putting that into practical terms for leaders is really important because the thing I notice when I'm coaching leaders who are elevating within organizations to the point where they are VP level, CEO level, what I notice the hardest transition for them is to let go of that specific knowledge that they have. Because the reality is at that level, you can't be an expert in all cross-functional areas. And it's the hardest transition for people to know who have had very, very strong expertise in a very specific area within the organization. You have to let your ego go as a leader. And you have to understand that hiring well is hiring experts that are smarter than you in specific areas and they bring expertise to the business that you don't have, but you're there to manage the entire big picture and you're there to manage great quality people, but there's going to be a lot that you don't know. I think having that humility coupled with curiosity is so powerful as a leader, but I do think it's the hardest thing for people to let go of. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. Cause I think A lot of times, if you're not focusing on being genuinely curious, a lot of times when those things come up and those situations arise when you actually don't know something, all of a sudden, if you're in the mindset of, oh my God, I should have known this, or this is something I thought I knew, all of a sudden it becomes like you start to disparage yourself and start to think, why didn't I why didn't I show up in this way or, you know, what happened? And I feel like I felt like that at work. I went into a finance job without any knowledge of finance 
literally whatsoever. And um, I think I at first would really get down on myself for when people would call me and I wouldn't know what they were talking about. But now when that comes up, it's like I, I try to celebrate that moment and be like, oh, you know, this is an opportunity for me to learn something new or I just learned something new or this shows a gap in my knowledge that I needed to fill. And I think being open to that without judgment even goes back to the first point, you know, like I think if you are genuinely curious then and you don't have that that feeling like you need to know everything, then you're always open and more accepting of yourself and others. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. But I, I do think it's hard. I think it's hard for people who are confident. I think it's hard for people who are competent leaders and, and competent contributors and experts in their fields to to get to a space. You know, you're a philosophy major. You went into a, a financial job, you know, for the time being until you go to grad school. And it, it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to have a beginner's mindset because so much of this, what we're talking about is a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to approach this new project or this new product that we have in our organization with a beginner's mindset. But I think it's also hard when you are in a space where you are in a steep learning curve to it, it can be easy to lose your confidence mm -hmm. when you're in that space. And it can be easy for just like you said, to start doubting yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's in those moments when you you're doing the right things, you're having a curious mindset, where you just need to pause and slow down for a moment and think about all the different things that you've learned, all the undergraduate studies, all the classes you took that you had no clue about, right? All the leadership lessons that you've learned along the way. And just know that, look, I got through those times where I also didn't know much and I became an expert. Or maybe I realized I didn't actually like that particular subject or that particular working on that particular project. But it gives you direction and it gives you information. And I think if we could just be open to those experiences, it's important. Yeah, that we don't diminish our confidence. I think being open is just being open to the idea of what can this teach you? Yes. Being curious, curious as to what can be gained or learned in that situation. Yeah, and I think we I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I think one of the basis of resilience also is going through difficult times and also having a curious mindset of okay, I'm in mm -hmm. the trenches. This is really terrible right now. What can I, what, what is the gift in this learning right now? What am I learning? Mm -hmm. And what is the gift here for me, for my team? So we kind of combined two of the habits, which you're willing to be wrong. Um, and then you're not afraid to say, I don't know. And so our last habit is that you don't let past hurts affect your future. That you don't maybe let times where you were curious and things didn't work out stop you from saying, oh, I'm going to have a growth mindset, or I'm just going to shut down and I'm not going to be curious anymore because it's just safer for me just to play it safe and not ask questions. Maybe you asked a question in the boardroom that wasn't the best question, and maybe people rolled their eyes. And for that to prevent you from asking and being curious and asking questions in the future is a is a big loss for everyone, not just you, but for everyone else on your team as well. 
not letting the past affect your future is the the last habit, probably not the only last habit, but the habits that we're going to be talking about today that can help cultivate your curiosity. So Hannah, I'm curious, do you have any last thoughts on the topic of curiosity? I think everyone should stay curious, you know, and I think especially about other people and about things that they think that they know so resolutely, you know, I think just being genuinely more open to ideas that maybe you wouldn't normally be open to or open even to the hypothetical that that idea could be the case. You know, I think I think that that will help people connect so much more, or at least I hope that that is the case, because I think that that connection can span, you know, through personal relationships, work relationships, through teams of people. I think, you know, at the end of the day, connection is a really big value for me. And curiosity, I think, just genuinely and organically leads into connection. So that's my, I like curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) I actually spoke about that last week week about how curiosity leads to connection. I completely agree. And I think it's important for us to be open and be curious about maybe where we're not curious. I, you know, as a leader, are you genuinely, genuinely, authentically curious about what your team members ideas are? Are you open and curious to alternative ideas versus your own ideas? If you think it should be done a certain way, are you genuinely open to other people's way of doing things that might lead to a similar result, but just go about, you know, going about it in a different direction? I also challenge parents to be curious as to what they can learn from their children. I know oftentimes we feel like it's our job as a parent to, you know, pass knowledge downward, but I will tell the audience I have learned so much from you and your sister and that's because I've been open and curious to everything that you both have to offer and everything that you've learned in school and your ideas and I mean a lot (laughs) a lot of times I don't even understand the titles of the books you're reading but it I'm curious and I'm asking questions and I want to know more and I learn something from you and Bailey all the time and I'm I'm very appreciative of that because I do think it helps our connection as well. So well, I learned a lot from you. So All right. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here, Hannah. And I'm uh, grateful that my listeners are able to hear your wisdom and to be curious. And I I leave you with one question, which is how can you cultivate curiosity? Where can you ask more questions? Where can you pause and think about having a beginner's mindset, learning something new, and not criticizing yourself when you're in that process? And who else can you learn from this week that maybe you might not have expected? So have that curious mindset, and we will see you back here next week at the same time. And I hope you all have a great rest of the week. Bye, guys. Bye for now. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. 
my invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.